<laughs> you don't like my turntable noises? <laughs> really, really throws a man off. Hello, dear listener, and welcome once again to your Wonder Adventures podcast, where we are. I am literally in the presence of a true wandering adventurer and a gorilla in a spacesuit on a. Box. He's our third member. <laughs> Speaking of, ask thir- me what I did this week. <laughs> anyway, that's an inanimate object. Um, the man who is shaking a bottle at a microphone is Tyler Sims. Hi. Who who has pulled the podcast hat trick, the first wandering adventurer to be here for three in a row. Mm-hmm. Good for you. It won't be four, sadly, but... Well, that, it's, it, we'll, we'll get into that later on. And like all trilogies, this is going to be the worst entry, probably. <laughs> so let's, let's just see how that goes. Is this the one where you get reunited with your father and you find out that your lover is your sister? No, this is the one where um, I aged 20 years and for some strange reason, uh, the director decides to put his daughter... In a, in a weekly acted cameo. <laughs> okay. And she gets shot. Ow. Well, I mean, I I don't know. What woman could play you, Tyler? I don't know. Maybe that chick who plays Brienne of Tarth. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Yes. The maiden, the, the maiden fair and the, the biggie, biggie bear hanging out with Mr. Cooper. I don't yeah, know where I'm going with any of this. Uh, we are. It is just the two of us mm-hmm. tonight. That's um, right. We're down one man. A gentleman had car problems. Yeah, uh, Chase lost his chariot race. And, he did. Uh, he's having some uh, wheel problems. He did. He uh, he tried to race someone at a stoplight, and he lost his brakes. Yes. I think one of those two things are true. Let's uh, interlude how um, our buddy Chase uh, pretty much told us he wasn't coming with the worst suspenseful text oh, message God. of all time, yeah, Chase. He sends it, and Chase, I hope you're listening to this, because this was terrible. You send a text, and then you end it with... <laughs> Shauna, Shauna did dot, dot, dot. No, no, Shauna had to dot, dot, dot. We're like, die? Like, <laughs> sacrifice? What, what'd she have to do? Wait, we what'd were, you do? Th- there was a span of three minutes there where we were both genuinely worried. <laughs> because when you say your car's brakes were, have gone out, and you're fine, your car's fine, but Shauna had to dot, dot, dot. I tried, guys. I really, really tried. Like... <laughs> Uh, I, I okay. I was concerned we were going to have to. Uh, I, I was worried. That's all I'll say there. Uh, but you don't need to worry, dear listener, because Garrett and Tyler will be here bringing you all the opinions you can handle. Because the, ba- the bakery is open. It is. We, we are kneading out the news we are, one loaf at a time. We here. we got all the buns for sale. Oh yeah, all the news buns. Oh yeah, and we don't even know if half our facts nope. are right. Nope. Hot glaze culture. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and ask myself, Garrett, what did you do this week? Well, Garrett, I'm glad you asked. I, uh, I w- <laughs> this goes great with just this the toast. tear at you this, angrily. <laughs> you, you look really pissed yeah. off. Um, I, I, I got some comics in okay. due to my little comic lull I've been in. Uh, have you heard of a comic called The Wicked and the Divine? I have not. It is an image comic, so creator-owned comic. Okay. I wish I had their names in front of me, and I do not, because I'm not prepared at all. Um, basically, the the gist of this comic is, and I went from reading the trade of this comic mm-hmm. to to reading the month, the reading the issues now. I'm, okay. I'm and I'm bringing it up because the second trade just came out, Fandomodium. So imagine a world where every ninety years, twelve gods, and I'm talking like you know, uh, I think some of the ones in the actual comic are. Dionysus, uh, Lucifer. Uh, there's a few others I could. Bahamut is okay. one. It's actually questioned whether he's really a god or not. Um, imagine if they came to Earth for two years, 
and they're here. They're among us. They have powers. They do what they do, and then after that two years is up, they die. Okay. So you essentially have 12 people that are possessed by the, the essences, the spirits of these gods, and this is happening right now in our current time. Okay. And the gods have basically, ma- and the world's okay with this. This has been going on for a long time. So the, the rest of the population is aware this is happening. Yes, this is not like a secret thing. And the gods are basically rock stars. Now here's what I like about this. Um, Lucifer is very much portrayed like David Bowie. Okay. I, I love her character. She is, and you're following a young lady who's big fans of the gods. And they've apparently been here a couple of months already. And uh, she starts to become friends with Lucifer, and then a mystery happens, and they try to solve it. Lucifer and this chick. Yes. Okay. And they go from there. I I don't want to give too much away because there's a lot of plot twists. So do you potentially see the story arc being that there's going to be some jump to 90 years later? Well, they they basically, no, I I really don't know if that's going to be the route so far. It's 11 issues old. And what they've really done within these 11 issues, by issue 11, they've now revealed who the last god is in the whole circle. Don't tell me. I'm not. No, that's why I'm trying to... Lucifer's the only one I'll really reveal because they, they give that one out immediately. Right. But you don't get introduced to all the gods, like, immediately. They span from issue to issue. Uh, there's a whole issue dedicated to Dionysus, and okay. it's it's really good. So I'm this, this is obviously having some... Uh, sounds like positive influence from American Gods by Neil Gaiman. In concept, roughly, or... I, I could see some concept there. Um, I think it's a little easy to say that about anything involving gods in modern times. Sure. And mind you, American Gods, incredible novel. I recommend everyone read it. But this one really has its own style, okay. mostly because each of the gods are a rock star, and they've gone to great pains. Uh, there's one Norse god who basically is like the... Uh, the not the Chemical Brothers, the... Uh, Oh, the guys that wear the masks. And are oh, Doth Punk. The, he's basically Doth Punk. Okay. I mean, it, it, I know it sounds weird, and I'll show you some pictures later on, but you, some of these gods, you'll look at how they're dressed up, and you're like, that guy's supposed to be Prince. I, I would really have a problem with anyone that even tried to begin <clears throat> an argument against a comic saying it's too stylized. This like, com- think th- about that argument point for a moment. Oh, no. Uh, but the, the style of this comic is all its own. Yeah. I can't think of another comic that has this kind of okay. That's flair, pretty good praise. This kind of pizzazz right. to it. Uh, the art's brilliant. Um, I will admit, um, having now read, uh, like I said, I've been reading the issues. I picked up the second trade, and having read that one, the story is getting it's getting pretty big. Okay. Um, there are times I've had to go back and reread a page or two, but uh, they're well written, worth your time. Uh, like I said, very young. So if you want to get in on a fresh, cool series. This is a good one. One add. more time for our audience. At, uh, home, what is the title of this? The Wicked and the Divine. By Image Comics. Go yep. check it out. Image Comics. Oh, look at you. I was also able to pick up Hellblazer Volume 7. Okay. And this marks a big one for me because I, I'm a big Hellblazer fan, but I only read all the way up to Dangerous Habits. And I skipped a few in between that, but um, Volume 7 marks like Garth Ennis's real continuing run into the series and I've not read any of these ever and I gotta be honest with you I am really loving this okay. um, Garth is managing to keep John Constantine in a in a more humane role like he like the I forget who the previous writer was before Ennis took it over but 
wasn't Delano, was it? Delano is the initial. Yeah, writer, he was the initial writer. I don't think it was, but he de- the the writer before Garth took it in a definite high magic kind yeah. of concept. The main reason I'm loving this volume is one of the issues collected in it is John Constantine's 40th birthday party. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why I loved the character and the concept was they they said pretty much on and every writer agreed that he would age in real time. So when they established, I think initially they established he was 36 when yeah. the series begins, and he would age. So the 40th birthday party is pretty great. Okay. Um, he thinks he's going to be alone. Uh, I won't reveal who ends up showing up at the party, but he does get surprised by some old friends. Um, the main reason I'm bringing it up is for two reasons. One, the str- he's uh goes behind the alley to take a piss, and the stranger shows up. And he gets he he senses his presence, turns around while still peeing, and just pisses all over the stranger's uh, shoes. And then the stranger was just like, "Okay, I came to wish you a happy birthday. Farewell." Yeah. And for a minute he's worried, and then two panels later he's just falling on the floor laughing. To which I actually laughed at pretty much out loud. In at classic that as well. Constantine style. The reason I wanted to bring this up with you here, Tyler, is because Swamp Thing makes an appearance. Oh, does he? Um, one of the characters invited Swamp Thing, and they, they're kind of. At this point in the story, they're they're not enemies, but they're, I don't know, they're like estranged friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Swamp Thing, he's like, why did you summon me? And then he's like, look, you Burke. You know, it's my birthday. I just wanted to, you know, knock back a drink with you. Swamp Thing lightens up a little. Okay. And he, yeah. he doesn't, you know, party down with him or anything, but he hangs out a minute, and then one of his buddies goes and gets uh, his pot plant. I've heard Which of is like a single arc. leaf. And then I just love the, the, the panel is brilliant. John goes... Have at it, my son. And and Swamp Thing just smiles, and the plant grows immaculately. So much kush. So Swamp Thing really loves the weed. That's that. <laughs> it's it's those little gems in comics that you know they would never allow today. Right. So somewhere out there, which I'm glad I own now, is a comic where Swamp Thing's just like boom, have all the weed. He, he is all about reefer culture. That good for him, and it's very natural for Swamp Thing too. It's not like it's out of character. Well, we also have to keep in mind that this is the same character that in order for you to have sex with them, you have to heat a uh, hallucinogenic potato <laughs> that grows off his body. That so is, he is he, Swamp Thing is definitely pro-drug. Well, I, I forget, you see, dear listener, you have to remember, I tend to be the Constantine uh, knowledge person, whereas Tyler here is the Swamp Thing man. That is, uh, of course, if, if you're wondering, not to give too much away, that is uh, during Alan Moore's initial run Swamp Thing. Keep on, this isn't like... He's three years in. This is like one of the first big little story twists. Like, he's not even letting people get warmed up to the fact that he's right. He's like, what the fuck did I just read? Like, <laughs> Well, no, no. There's a Constantine crossover with him where he possessed John's body. Yes. And that's how he, he had uh, sex. What is his daughter's name? Like, uh, I should know this starts with a T. I, his yeah, Swamp anyway. Thing's daughter. Um, I find that interesting just because we're... I'm glad this conversation devolved into Swamp Thing's sex life. That's, that's Yeah, and again, I don't want to give away too much of who it is, but basically this this woman knew Alec Holland when he was still alive. And for issues and issues, Swamp Thing's like, um, I'm not Alec Holland. I'm a uh, bunch of plant matter that has his memories. You need to get over the fact that Alec Holland is dead. Yep. And she is literally ragging him about how much she loves him and cares about him, how she can't live without him. And I really feel like, you know, Swamp Thing's like, well, y'all, I'll call humor this. And uh, sorry that I can't be with you. You know, she voices the fact that she's sorry that she can't basically, you know, have sex with him. And 
in the most random BTW, Swamp Thing's like, well, there is a way. And then literally proceeds to grow this potato out of his shoulder and basically says, eat this and see what happens. And they go on this, like, cool music video of, like, ether fucking (laughs) in the green ethereal. And she wakes up and goes, what just happened? I have never had a good thing come out of anyone that handed me something off their shoulder. And eat this. Eat this. See what happens. Yes. After you just got done talking about how you wanted to have sex with them. (laughs) Well, Swamp Thing sex and a drunk John Constantine lead perfectly into my final thing of the week. All right. You've all read the reviews. You can't escape what became of it. I went and saw Fantastic Four this weekend. (gasps) Da-da-da-dun. I uh, went and saw it with Bailey and What fact. can we do with you, Garrett? How can we help you? <laughs> I don't know. Give me my $7 right. back. Okay. If we All can right. do that. Th- I actually walked out of that theater, and I remember I looked over at Bailey, and I said, I should have gone to see Shaun the Sheep. I, I, my heart told me, go see Shaun the Sheep. You will, you'll laugh. You'll enjoy it. Or go see Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll, it'll be action-packed. Yep. yep. But no. No, I went to see Fantastic Four. So I have not seen it yet. And as I was telling Garrett before the show, I've actually enjoyed in the past week of just reading the mire of just bad press going around this, almost like watching a train wreck, if you will. Well, I mean, there to me, there comes a point where you can only write so many bad things about something, and naturally they're blaming uh, the director. I think the story came out that he puts he put out a Twitter and then he he put it, a deleted bit, it really quickly. He basically put on Twitter uh, more or less like. Uh, I made a good movie for y'all. The studio wouldn't let me make it. Sucks for y'all. Was essentially what he was saying. Well, he may ha- he may really have a point there because a lot of the uh, the last twenty minutes of the film, the the ending shots, and God, a lot of the shots of the last forty minutes, they did have that kind of reshot look. I've to heard them. the editing is terrible. The editing this. is not good, and our our young woman playing the invisible woman is wearing just a horrible wig. And oh I, yeah. I am not a person who notices stuff like that, but the stark difference between her hair from one part of the movie to the other is astounding. Is it like we're absolutely determined to make you a blonde even though you look cuz it's Kate Mar Kate Mara. Right. No, is, no, no. It, it just doesn't look right. Like it looks like a wig. Right. It, it's like Donald Trump walking in. You're like that is not real uh, hair. Yeah. You know, he can say all he wants, but it's not real. I mean, first off, if, in case you're wondering if, if Fill me in. I think the the director, I forget his first, it's Trask. Um, but he was the guy who pretty much wrote and directed Chronicle, which... And that's his one movie. Yeah. Like that one was, big movie. That was like the movie that when it came up, people were like, holy shit, this guy gets superhero movies. He gets the motifs. I wanted to see it until after Man of Steel came out. This director took it upon himself to put out like a 15-minute web video about why he hated Man of Steel. And I was like, okay, fair enough. It very quickly devolved into the most self-entitled soapboxing of what I want Superman to do. And, and basically this whole, like, I'm his biggest fan and this is what he should have done for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to vomit after watching it. It is seriously one of the most cringeworthy editorial videos I've ever seen. So I was like, okay, so this will be interesting. And then there were reports, even before the movie came out, that basically Trask was intoxicated very frequently at times coming on set and not doing anything because he was either too intoxicated or he was hungover. So there were days of lost shooting because of that. It does seem like a lot of fingers are being pointed at the director right now. And, And I didn't know any of that stuff you just told me. Like I said, I just went and saw the movie. 
I could go on and on about little nitpicky things. Uh, the things I really want to point out are, as a, as a, I'm not the biggest Fantastic Four fan. I recognize their importance to the Marvel yes, Universe, yes. and I recognize there's some great stories out there with them. And half the reason I find them interesting are their familial bond. Like, they're a family. They're the re- they're, they have these powers. No one else does, really, unless you get into the greater Marvel Universe, and then everyone seems to have powers. But they, they have to stick together. And what killed me with the movie was just, I don't know if it was the actors themselves. I don't think it was. I think it was the writing. You just, I never got that. It just seemed like... Especially just no chemistry on no screen? No chemistry. Oh. There is a moment where Ben Grimm, they, they have a moment where they're kind of together, and it ends, you know, their conversation with like, you know, oh, Ben, you know, I'm sorry. I, you know, we used to be friends. And he's like, we're not friends anymore. And then that plot point's completely forgotten after that scene. Um, I know a lot of people have had something to say about The Thing. Uh, the thing, yeah. the thing is nude in this one, and I didn't realize how much that would bother me until <laughs> I saw the thing oh. being nude. I, it, it's a stupid <laughs> thing. You I, didn't think it was an issue until it became an issue. I want to believe there are more people like me out there that saw this and just couldn't get this out of their head. But uh, the crack, the crack podcast had a podcast maybe a week or two ago. It was like, hey, imagine Yoda pooping. Like imagine Yoda using the bathroom, and it takes away all of the, you know wise old mentor because just terrible noises in my head it, right see, now but it ruins it for you and i don't know why but the whole time seeing it not seeing the thing in his tidy whitey little speedo thing all i could think was how's he poop like why, right why does he look like a ken doll someone explain this anatomy to me. i'm overthinking it i know but here's my problem with since we're talking about costume designs sure. and of course this was like when the first posters were coming out for it. One of those, it shouldn't really be an issue, but some reason it's a splinter in my head saying, this is not good. The costume for Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richard, when I saw that he had springs on his arm, <laughs> okay. I was like, wait a moment. All right, so why, let- why? First off, that's straight from Wiley Coyote's de- design department. Oh, yeah. Content. That's all, all I right, have no, to no. say. I, I can explain this. If you hadn't seen the movie, that would be funny. And the 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 whole time after that scene, I was saying, "Give the thing some pants and get <laughs> and get Mister Fantastic out of that suit." Right. So what happens is when they get their powers, they're taken to a government facility. He escapes. Um, Reed Richards escapes, and the rest stay there to train and do whatever. And then it does the whole black screen one year later thing. Reed Richards never tried to get back to them. I mean, it kind of showed him like looking at the files of them training and right. all that. But essentially, he was in South America, or Panama, sorry, trying to build the same machine to travel to another dimension right. that they were building. But he was having to do it from like homemade parts, and he was on the run. So that machine, that suit you saw him wearing, he made that himself. Why? I don't know. It, it's it, like one of those, like, I. Why? Why does it have springs on it? And like, I think it was supposed to simulate the suits they wore to go back into the other dimension. Right. But at no point is there like a. There was a line that was like, "Oh, what's that suit about?" Well, it was the best I could do. There's none of that. He just looks like a dude in a homemade suit. Okay. Um, for a, for a movie about four fantastical beings, they barely use their powers. That's what I've heard as well. Up until the last twenty minutes. And if you are a fan of Doctor Doom, not just in the sense of fighting the Fantastic Four, but just like the character of Doctor Doom in the overall Marvel Universe, don't see this movie. 
I, you're saying that as a PSA. I, I am like, saying that as if you like Doctor Doom when he kind of goes full villain and you know ruler of Latvia, master of sorcery, all that. I mean, this is a character who in comics nearly became the new Sorcerer Supreme. Right. Like he nearly took Doctor Strange's place, which I think would be kind of awesome. But in this comic, Victor Von Doom is presented as a dude who sits around just because he didn't get his way at some at the Baxter Institute, sits around playing video games, and is just like, I don't care, no one understands me. Which is not Victor Von Doom. So he's a Reddit user. Uh, essentially. Okay. And then when he gets presented, I mean, there's some cringe-worthy bits of dialogue. There's a pretty phoned-in scene where Sue and Reed are... When they're designing this. And then, like, he comes through the hallway, Victor Von Doom. Right. And he's just like, he sees them, and then he's like, Reed, come talk to me for a minute. And then, you know, he Richard comes up there, and he's like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, you're acting very unprofessional. And the scene just comes out of nowhere. I mean, it's weird. So fill me in on this, because I'm not even a big t- Fantastic Four Doctor Doom fan, but I know some things in the universe of Marvel are supposed to be consistent. And part of it is... Reed Richards is always going to be smarter than Doctor Doom, and yeah, reasonably. And Doctor Doom is jealous of the fact that he is not able to one up Reed Richards. Is is there a scene in the movie where Reed Richards is writing something on a chalkboard and Victor Von Doom corrects him? Yes. There, there is a scene. I say nothing else. Then there's That's a scene kinda... where Reed Richards is writing some formula, and this is during like the '80s montage. Let's build this dimensional yeah. warp scene. He writes like a formula, and then Victor just erases it and writes something else. Yeah, I'd heard that. Like again, from the course, you know, in the reviews of reading the hearsay, I was like, oh boy, even I know that's kind of, you know, like sacred a little bit in the Marvel verse. Well, I mean, about- the, the whole deal there is like. Doom always blames Richards due to, of course, messing up his face. Right. When you have different variations of that. You have some where his face is just a ruin. You have others, my favorite one being, where he has like a tiny scratch on his cheek. And that's and he never shows anyone that because he's ruined his perfection and his narcissism takes exactly, over. Exactly. Okay. I, I, like I, that I prefer too. that Doom, but you know, it is what it is there. This Doom just he was like another one of the boys, one of the lads, and and mind you, I've not read too much Ultimate Universe, Fantastic Four, and this is what they were basing this on, okay. a lot of Ultimate Universe. But, I mean, all right, so the whole shtick of this is the way they get their powers, they go this other dimension, and the way they do this is, like, they, the three of them, Doom, uh, Johnny Storm, and uh, Richards, get drunk. Because the dudes in charge of the machine are like, nope, we're going to get NASA astronauts, we're going to take them out to this dimension. They get drunk, and they're like, you know, screw the astronauts. We're going to go. We made the thing. So they call Ben Grimm, and it, it's really contrived here. It's like, hey, man, you're my best friend. I'm not doing this without you. And, you know, Ben Grimm's like, okay, whatever. So they go. They get real drunk and go to another dimension. This is the equivalent of, like, you know, stealing a, a pig mascot, rolling it in carpet, and throwing it off a bridge. Well, what except I love, with interdimensional travel. Sure. What I love, right. what I really love about it is Johnny Storm has a line where he's talking to his father, and it was like, "What's the line?" It's like, "Yeah, if we hadn't done, if we hadn't done, you know, gone to this place, we wouldn't have gotten these powers." And it's, you know, somehow your fault, kind of. And I was like, "No, you got drunk and went there. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much your fault." Yeah. Yeah. But. I, I don't know. It, it, it Well, getting back on Doom real quick. So when they go to the dimension, Doom gets pretty much trapped there. And then you don't see him till the last about 30 he minutes. He got marooned. Yeah. Oh, kind of. He pretty much looks like he's dead. Won't lie. But he comes back, and then 
the doom of like that has been plotting his revenge or anything. This is not that doom. This is a doom who's like, I have melded with the planet, and now you are threatening it. I will kill you all. I'll put it this way: Doom's reasons for wanting to destroy everyone are stupid. Okay, so he's kind of like Captain Planet. He joined the Black Lives Matter yep. movement, and sure. everyone else is the villain. And I'm going to yeah. I okay. mean, I, it, the in the last 20 minutes are the only real time we get to see the team work as a team, use their powers. Uh, ben Grimm punches about two things. Uh, Invisible Woman. So not really clobbering time. It's a clobbering second. Yeah, clobbering second. Invisible Woman, all she's good for is making, turning someone invisible and making a ball and teleporting everyone. Uh, Reed Richards displays some fighting talent that even with his stretchy powers, I don't see how he ever had the way they (laughs) presented the character. Right. And uh, Giant Storm flies around. He had so little impact on anything. It was amazing. All right, so predictions right now. Do you think this is going to be yet another canned Fantastic Four property, or do you think they are going to go forward with the X-Men? If we're talking money for Fantastic Four, I read $120 million in the movie alone, not counting the mass marketing like promotion they did. It's made at best $60 million, <sighs> and that's including some inter- like a lot of the international market, so no one is biting Official it. Official a flop. Yeah, no one is biting this film. So, and there there were plans for like a 2017 se- sequel. I'll be shocked if we see it. Okay. And, and I'll be shocked if anyone goes to see it, if they make it. It just... Again, honestly, I, I'm kind of neither here nor there that it failed because I've never been a fan of Fantastic Four. With a property like that, I mean, take a, take a page from Guardians of the Galaxy, man. No yep. one even knew what that was going to be, and it shocked and awed everyone. And it was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, this did nothing like that. I mean, in fact, in Chronicle, the big ending being like there's a big, I think, beam of light, and the guys are all flying around punching each other. That's how this one ends. It's a big beam of light, and everyone's going around flying around punching each other. So there, yeah, I mean, there you go. Say, yeah, you know okay. what? I'm going to sum this up with this. Fantastic Four, more like Fantastic Boar. I'm glad you included that. Now, a very boring movie. Save your money. I've rambled enough. Tyler. So, uh, comic book news of my own. Not really news because the, uh, I guess, official announcement of this came out about a month ago. Um, comic book writer near and dear to both Garrett's in my heart, uh, Mr. Warren Ellis. Woo! Next wave! Mm-hmm. Has pretty much been picked by Dark Horse, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's Dark Horse. Yeah. And Ian Fleming's estate to basically release, I believe it's a five or six volume trade paperback of his take on James Bond. Um, Warren Ellis has pretty much been very vocal in saying this is not at all cinematic James Bond. This is much more of the Ian Fleming interpretation as in he's a blunt instrument. He might be a uh, sociopath quite literally. Um, And he's basically... Part and partial torture because he realizes he's nothing more than an expendable government tool. Yep. And his relationship with him is strained because if you're familiar with the Daniel Craig um, 007s, you find out it was M officially who ambassadored for him to get 00 status. Same thing in the, the books, I believe, except in this one it's much more of M being, I fucking made a mistake <laughs> giving this guy 00 status, and now I'm just basically trying to control him because he's a loose cannon. When when I was in college, I read three of the Ian Fleming novels, one being Casino Royale. Yep. I, God, I can't remember the other two. 
But um, there were I, a good. I think there's like eleven James Bond. Oh, there's all together. Yeah, there's enough to keep you reading. But I, I remember because I'm such a huge fan of the movies, you know. And I'm not gonna say every one of them's brilliant. I think every there's enough move, James Bond movies out there for for anyone to pick and choose what they like their Bond Agreed. to be like. The Ian Fleming like novel Bond is just crazy. I mean, and he he's a crazy asshole. Yeah. Like. Like I remember my sister does not like this latest interpretation of James Bond. She wouldn't, would she? No, she really wouldn't. <laughs> but I know Gerd's sister, and I affectionately, that does not yeah. shock me. But, like, he, I mean, the, and a lot, I think there's a few people out there like, no, he's not fun. He's just grim and grim. Read a book. Yeah, good Lord. They really got him. I'm not going to say because in the book, God, he's even more just... Blood, well, maybe bloodthirsty is not even right. But when it comes down to, I got to murder a dude. He murders a dude. If, if you watched again Daniel Craig's opening of he's the movie's basically starting with him drowning someone in a bathroom sink, which I thought was a great opening. That's in Fleming James Bond. Yep, essentially. Yep. Uh, now, is this going to be a mini series? Are we talking a running series? No, I think it's. Um, if I remember correctly, I think they are releasing it as trade paperback. Okay. Um, I mean, they're they're, you know, f- five or six volumes, and it's I believe just one story arc. Um, Ellis has come out very, very uh, odiously about how he's extremely grateful. I mean, he credits James Bond for being one of the literary characters that got him involved with writing. Right. Um, and if you've ever had uh, the pleasure, or have yet to have the pleasure of reading anything of Warren Ellis has written. Um, same vein, since we mentioned him earlier, um, him and Garth Ennis are basically like best friends, so that should really tell you what you need to know about his writing style. Right. But um, I believe these are going to be released in November of this year. Um, should not be too hard of a story to, to look up on Google if you want to follow up on. Um, but yeah, very, very excited it'll about be some, that. It'll be something I want to check out. Yes, and I think the artists, too, I mean, they've already released like some of the covers. Amazing. Wow. Yeah, I mean that very like wa- the thing about Wait, just watercolors. Yeah, I think I think one of the covers I saw it was like a watercolor. It was all black, but then it had him in red. Yeah. Or no, like it was him in a different color. But then blood it was like coming a, down. Yeah, on. it was like a trail of red coming yeah. from behind him. So almost like the old nineteen sixties uh, like spy novel covers, if you think almost very like woodblock noir style, except it's watercolors. Yeah, I, I I will be I'll be glad to pick that up probably without even reading any reviews. No, I'll get them all. That's, I'll get them all. That's something I'll be interested in. And if you want some f- extra fun reading, dear listener, read about Ian Fleming himself. He was an interesting character. And his association with a show favorite, Sir Christopher Lee. Oh, rest in peace, you beautiful man. Yeah. The the whole like truth is stranger than fiction applies to Christopher Lee. Look at what he did during the war, which we've talked about and we yep. will not get into, but just look up Christopher Lee's story during World War Two. Yep. It's an interesting one. If you can find anything. All well, right. You're the show note guy, Gear. What else did I tell you to, oh, uh, <laughs> to write down? I can't even remember my own points. You're, you're giving away all the trade yes. secrets. Um, uh, you got, oh, we, we wanted to talk about, um, Ready Player One. Yeah, so it has been announced, too, that, uh, Steven Spielberg is now going to be the official director helming the Ready, Ready Player One, uh, movie adaption that's coming out now, pretty soon, I want to say. It's not... Now, but it, was this something that had been in contention? Because I thought I read this a while back. Um, I think it's pretty much kind of like all but assured now that he is going to be the director of it, which, of course, means that's probably going to have... John Williams doing the score, sure. and, you know, everyone, which is which is not a bad thing. Yeah, everyone else who's associated with 
Steven Spielberg. I, let, let me tell you the reason why I'm a little excited about this, because thanks to my Loot Crate, I was able to read Re- Ready Player One. It was on my list, but since I got one for free, I figured I'd bump it up to read mm-hmm. it quicker. Thanks to all of that, I read the book. I can't think of anyone else that could direct a movie with that much 80s, or 70s, 80s, and 90s nostalgia better than him. Fair enough. I mean that that dude has been making the same kind of nineties and two thousand or nineties eighties ish kind of movies for a while if he's directing. So the one I have not had the pleasure yet of reading Ready Player One, but I I think the first time that I figured out, man, this book is really becoming something special was a couple months ago I went on a vacation with my girlfriend, and her family. Uh, to a beach house up in Hilton Head. And at this time, it was the first time I was meeting her sister-in-law. Sister-in-law is, I almost want to say, a cliched, like, William sonoma shopper type. She's just had a new baby, young 20-something kind of woman. Completely not someone who I would picture listening to this podcast. Fair let's enough. just say. And it, we're talking and talking as, you know, conversations and palaver do. And she mentions, hey, have you read this book called Ready Player One? I'm like, that initial, like, no. And I said like that, like, <laughs> why are you saying that? Like, why why is that book title coming out of your mouth? And then she starts just going off about it, about how awesome it is and, like, how she's written. Again, it's not to say that when she's played, like, Xbox and stuff, it's not like she's completely removed from the geek culture, but I would never in a million years think that she would have read it. And it was like one of her friends told her about it, and, I mean, it's almost taken on this weird Oprah book club status. Like, I, everybody is reading it, I, it I completely understand that feeling. That was one of those books. I mean, every if, you, if you're an avid reader, sometimes you get a book that you just can't put down. Yeah. That was one of those for me. That's what she said. She said she read almost like a third of the book in one night. And, and to me, it wasn't just the nostalgia. I mean, it's very well written, and the the it's not just the nostalgia it's also the the real world aspect like right. it, you know spoilers abound but i it deals with a virtual world mostly but the real world of like how these people are living is very believable to where our society could go right like i mean very dependent trailers stacked on top of each other as tall as skyscrapers i mean it's it's a very believable scenario um, there's an entire chapter dedicated to um, explaining how these big, big, huge mega companies get their employees through basically indentured servitude. Yep. Like if you go into debt, yep. you get to work for them. And again, I could see that happening. And they even go into as far as one of the guys who's in this car with him being taken to the place. He's okay with it. He's like, well, I guess you know, they'll feed me and I'll have a place to live. So it's an interesting look at both the virtual side of life and a very crippling society. Well, and as you said, just the statement from that one character, the uh, very real uh, degradation of personal freedoms where people literally make excuses for, well, if it means we'll get the terrorists, I'm quite fine with them spying us. Well, if it means they get this, I'm quite fine if they tap my phones. I mean, mean, I can't name the quote exactly, but basically Thomas Jefferson quite famously said upon, you have one of two things. You either have full expansive personal liberties or you have complete security you cannot have a society without both of them at right. full strength i mean and, the, and this is the same thing where the crux is all anyone wants is access to this online yeah. world that they live in well i need to read that i need uh, my my reading list is terribly terribly long uh, fellow listener i'm a terrible arbiter 
to be on this mic right now. Well, but you, you are about to go on a trip where you might have a bit more reading time. I will be glad to. Oh, yes. I will be glad to lend my copy to this journey. Get to read under the stars. It <laughs> sounds very romantic. It, no. Yes. Okay. Good. Uh, yes. By myself and <laughs> maybe my brother, but yes. Oh well, that that sounds yes. even more romantic. Bromantic. Well, let's get on to some news here. It's uh. Did we break into the Indiana Jones theme for a minute? There? No, that's my news. Oh, okay. Uh, news header. Oh, very it's good. Like uh, I know you. WKYOB, Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> We're not in Cleveland. The face you're making right now is terrifying. <laughs> WKSU. Well, t- uh, here here in Cleveland, Ohio, I know there's one director slash producer you always keep up with. Oh, who's that? That's James Wan. Oh, okay. Do you actually know who that is? Uh, isn't he the fellow who's been doing all these weird horror movies for the past couple of years? I, if you're talking about such things as Insidious. Oh, God. I know uh, where this is going. The Conjuring. Garrett, Garrett, is, Garrett is upset. Very upset. Actually, you <laughs> don't know where this is going. Now, mind you, mind you, if you want to go that route, I do not like The Conjuring movies. I do not like Insidious. I don't like pedophiles either, Garrett. Well, I was actually What's wrong about that fact. Oh, were um, you? Okay. Mainly due to the song they used. Um, I... We were watching the tra- we were watching a trailer for Deadpool, and the trailer the, t- the trailer before that the advertisement was for this new Insidious, uh, or the Conjuring, the Infield Poltergeist, or something's coming out soon that he directed, and they play the uh, Jeepers Creepers, or you know, did you see the Boogeyman? He's coming. I know, yeah. and that's the song that plays during the movie Jeepers Creepers two. And it's a well-known fact that the man that directed that, well, once a terrible movie, yes. but the man that directed it was an alleged pedophile. Excellent. So right, so what's up with James Wan? Well, he has officially been announced to be the director of the Aquaman movie. Now, for anyone who does not, for anyone who wants to, yeah, Tyler's in deep in thought in that one. And for anyone else that wants to know more about this man, he directed Saw, Um for those of you who are like, what are all these horror movies? I don't watch those. He also directed Furious 7. Hmm. So he's really made a leap and bound on genre here. I will say that my my weird thinking head bob that made me look like a cockatoo it really a few did. seconds ago. Um, I think that's more from the fact of, um, one, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, if you've watched interviews with James Wan, he is definitely one of us. He, he is a nerd. Pulling through, he understands the importance to adherence to culture, history, back catalog, things like that. So I don't think that is, uh, I don't think that's something to fear, honestly. No, no, no. I just I thought it was interesting, like they that he's, you know, I mean, Furious Seven is a is a great action movie, very different from Aquaman. Yep. Which you know, superhero movie. I guess you could argue the similarities, but I'm okay with him directing an Aquaman movie. I mean, if we, I guess, if we want to go back in time and think about how it one point or another before uh, he had the uh, filmography he did. Uh, David Fincher was a music video director. That is true. And then Seven came out. Yep. And then there life, we go. life was changed. Yes. Uh, the other fun thing to announce is he's been, uh, some people said directing. I've not found that. I found that he is producing the new Mortal Kombat movie. I'm fine with it. I'm even more fine with that. Which has been, just been announced. There's no um, the the Aquaman movie scheduled for 2018. So d- is this a like legitimate movie, not like a we're 
on like Machina, X Legacy. It seems like they're making a legitimate movie. Good. And I will say this. If they will take a page from the last two Mortal Kombat games, make a coherent story. and New story, please. Yeah, oh, make a new story and introduce the combat kids, the kind of new characters, or, or maybe hint towards them or something. I don't know. The games right now have actually given them a lot of good places to go for a somewhat cohesive story. Can I say something maybe blasphemous? Hit me. I would be absolutely okay with a Mortal Kombat movie without Goro. Oh, I would be a-okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know I, what? I think I th- it was okay even in 96, it, and that's the thing. is like he's extremely 90s, and he was just barely okay in a what? 90s movie. Why don't we do this? Why don't we, instead of doing like what Annihilation did, why don't we pick... A few characters, not every oh, one like, of them. Okay, all right. All right, why don't we do that? Why don't we at least in this, these movies make sure that both Sub-Zero and Scorpion are not like mind-controlled servants? Like, let's actually give them lines and things to do. Which I kind of liked, again, not to dump on them, uh, the indie films that they did. I actually liked the setup they did with Scorpion and Sub-Zero. I, and that. I it's could, like, yeah. uh, they, oh, well, they actually were ninjas yeah. back in the day. Yeah, and, the, and the, the latest games have picked up on that, too. You know, they represent both their clans. Yes. But uh, let's give them more to do, and let's just make, let's actually make a cohesive movie. You know, just slapping a bunch of characters in something and just going, oh, look, there's that guy. That doesn't do it. He's riding because he has a rice picker on. <laughs> I still and he re- talks cryptically. I still remember in Annihilation when both Baraka appears, and then there's like a two-minute fight, and it's in the world's worst Baraka mask. Yep. And then just yep. he dies. I, for- I forgot. Oh, no, and then Shiva comes up. Yeah. And then she's like, ha-ha, I've got you, and they drop a cage on her, and yep. she's dead. Yep. Yep, that great, great movie, Annihilation. I think my favorite fight from that whole movie has got to be, uh, oh, it's tough. They both have Jax in it. Probably Jax or Cyrex fighting or Jax and that uh, Minotaur dude who looked probably some of the worst CG. Mataro? Yes, that was it. Thank you. But again, that's an example of, do we really have to have Mataro? Was was anyone from Mortal Kombat 3 going like, nope, it won't be a movie without Mataro? Nope. Or Sindel, for that matter. Oh, well, you need Sindel. I like how she did like a bunny hop spin. Oh God! We are remembering way too much That's about right. this movie. That's all right. Uh, getting on to, I've got one little bit of game news here. Okay. Now, here's my question to you, Tyler. Oh, God. Are you prepared? Yeah. Well, you are not prepared because they've announced the latest expansion for World of Warcraft, Legion. Yeah, Legion. Okay. So uh, where is my like five-minute ultra-produced trailer that... You know, gets me hyped up and takes ten minutes to buffer on Facebook. It's online. Like, okay, yeah. Uh, during yeah. during the big game, con- uh, was the month. Where's my half? Kung Fu Panda in this? Oh, they've already that. That's an old expansion. You missed on the, that one. The Isles of Pandera. Yes. Uh, no, here's here's the fun thing about this. We are both former WoW players. Yes. I have only one month. And I will say that I as got, a disclaimer. So do not send hate mail of my ignorance because I played <laughs> one month back in like. 2008. Yep, I believe. That, and that's so. fun. I am. I'm more of. I'm more digged in. I had a couple of years under my belt. As far as um, oh god, the fourth one. That's when I and okay. I came in. I came in late for that one. I missed a lot of Frozen Throne due to traveling. Came in late for the fourth one, and then just compl- that's what killed it for me. Never went back to this fifth one. But here's some fun things with this. I mean, the trailer, as all trailers do, looked great. Um, they they're bringing back Illidan who is the night elf, demon-winged, 
half demon guy from Burning Crusade. Generic demon. Honestly, honestly, no. Um, his Illidan story comes straight out of like the Warcraft Three game. Okay, and so, and I always loved his story. Now it is a pretty classic. Like he sacrificed his own humanity basically to save his culture, and they're never going to thank him for it. And he took a turn for the worst, but for the time of what he did, he saved the day. Now. Here's my fun thing about this. One, we're this is coming out of time. I feel like this came out real quick. Like I think like what a year and a half ago we yeah. had the fifth expansion, and that expansion basically made the game from the MMO we knew, which is you know team up with your friends, go on these raids, to a very single player experience. Well, wasn't wasn't there a mechanic where you could literally jump in and level to like ninety and Th- that's or been something? that's like, been everyone. Okay, yeah. They basically promised that you know if you haven't played in a while, join your friends instantly. You know whatever there. But this one had the mechanic where like you had a fort, and you would you would gain allies, and they would be in your fort, and you could send them on missions and. Essentially, a little hub server area where you'd send people out to do things and all that. Do you feel like that was a development built upon the really bad press that WoW got that if you're going to play the game successfully, you have to have a life built around, oh, I've got to be up at 3 a.m. for this raid because if I don't, then I'm going to be kicked out of the guild and not get this magic hammer that I, I don't might think, drop. No, nah, I don't think it's that. I mean, those people that are in that game are already doing that, or they've moved on to another MMO and are doing the same thing. Right. I think that's just in response to the numbers dropping drastically, which they've done. Um, World of Warcraft's at an all-time low, from what I read. I think it's got 4.9 million players now. I don't want to say this in a, like, you know quitter kind of attitude but it's it's fucking 12 years old like at what point did they realistically and i think they did they're adults and they're businessmen think that okay there is a certain half-life on this game of where people are not going to play it enough for us to sustain the cost of keeping it going. But but they are still that only one that's managed to do it this long. I mean, Amen. Yeah, every other MMO. I think, name another MMO that has gone maybe as long right now. Uh, like, right now, I mean, I'm, I could throw out like EverQuest 2. Yeah. Maybe. What about Rift? Uh, I heard Rift, for a while that people... That was, was supposed it. to be one of the big WoW killers. I mean, you can, you can call anything released in the last five, six years that's supposed to be an MMO base a WoW killer, and that's what they tried to be. It wasn't until, I think, Guild Wars 2... And a few of those others came out that said, you know what, we're going to play on the um, free-to-play aspect and just have, try to get money that way. And it worked. People are more receptive of that. And you've seen about every MMO go that route except WoW. WoW has that cloud of being the first. It has a very staunchly loyal fan base. But here's my thing with Legion, and here's why I will not go back to WoW. At this point, I'm a big fan of the lore. Um, they have butchered the story, in my opinion. And what were they going to do? I mean, that's such a... That's such a hollow argument, I know. Like, what are they going to do in this big open-world game? They've taken characters and directions. I'm like, wow, really? Yeah. Like, I would have just loved to have another strategy game to flesh out some of these motivations and all that. But here we are back with Illidan, a guy who showed up about in the second expansion and has been a part of the game since the strategic games. Why is he back? Like, the big the big kind of motto of the second expansion was, You are not prepared! Well, yeah, apparently we were prepared because we kicked your ass. Here you are uh, again. I I, I didn't see it in the whole trailer I watched, but I was really hoping he'd be like, you know, like, okay, you were pretty much prepared that time, but But, I'm... But but, but this time, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm totally gonna no. get you now. Okay, how much do you know of WoW culture? Where when these these expansions are basically in their most primordial sense, do you feel like maybe some of this was fan response to Blizzard saying, "Hey, this is like, what would you like to see the next expansion?" Like, yeah, like that's I I personally don't believe anyone cares about the story anymore. Okay, like, and they don't care about hey, this villain's back. They could be like, hey, fucking I don't know, Arthas is back somehow, and he's. A lich again. Okay, yeah. whatever. All they care about is the new land to play in. The level cap gets raised. And throw us a new race or class. And there is a new class in this one. What? The Demon Hunter. So remember that story I told you about how Elodin gave up like half his humanity to yeah. save the day? Oh, now everyone can do that. You can all become a Demon Hunter. Seems like one of those classes that they were kind of late to the game adding. Well, here's like, what, here's what's funny to me: the uh, traditionally in the Warcraft three game, demon hunters have always been night elves, or I guess blood elves could also go that right. route. So I guess that's I was going to ask what the, what the horde will have for that, but I guess blood elves would be that. I'd love to see a Pandaren half demon. Okay, that would be impressive, but we're not going to see that. Uh, the other big thing I was. <laughs> I was reading an article about like uh, from a WoW forum about people that were excited and awesome. Be excited. I'm th- I'm not trying to poo-poo on your thing. I'm just giving the reasons why I'm not invo- going to get involved. Right. They were like, oh, man, but this, this Demon Hunter class, they can double jump. I, 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 you, I guess you have to see it from the context of the world that they are living in. Awesome. Through that game. It's like, okay, that's... I, I, I wish I could see it from that context anymore, and I just ever even watching that trailer, Tyler. I saw like nothing excited me. Anything they announced, any cl- in the new class, nothing. Much like the last expansion, made me go like, nope. I need to experience this. This is all new, all different. I need to jump back in. I'm afraid the good old Putra, the undead priest, is just he's hung up his cloak, man. He's, it's all right. He's had all the adventure he can take. He's not doing a Gene Simmons and continuing to tour. He hung it up. He really did, and, and that and that's all that needs to be said. He he has good memories in Azeroth, but he's also a little bit glad that he doesn't need to go back there. The music didn't die; it's just that the audience is singing it now, <laughs> and will forever live in their hearts. <laughs> there you go. Yes, no lie though. Sometimes Sam and I do reminisce about the well, old. You wild should. Days. I, th- I think a good game like that is. I mean, that does show you the testament of like, okay, it wasn't just something we played; we invested in it. Yeah, and you know, it was but, something very special. But when, every time we talk about like that reminiscing, we both do agree because I, I think I looked at him one time and gone, "Would you go back?" He's like, "God, no." See, and I, I'm going to come from the point of like I can't even remember this day why I decided to finally start playing WoW. I think it was I had a summer off from school. I had a work schedule. I was like, "Well, you know what? You have been playing it for a while." Yeah, so I was like, "You know what?" I'll give it a try. See what it's about. It was, I think, uh, help me here. The first expansion with the Blood Elves. Th- that was the uh, the Burning Crusade. Yes, yes. So I was thinking, okay, I, there was like a really good deal of like buy the game, buy this for like a ridiculous low price, and get this first month free. I was like, you know what? We'll go ahead and try it. But Tyler, were you prepared? Yes. Yeah, strangely, okay. good. So good, good. I think it only took me a month, and it was not one of those like I got on and I was playing it twelve hours a day. I played it like couple days a week and i play it like three four hours at a time um i think i got the elf up to like 20 or something um pretty much in the general starting area and i think i stopped playing because i realized very quickly it was going to be the never-ending quest of always having to one-up your gear and like you're always trying to have to get the next 
like gauntlet piece, this piece, and you would you essentially were never really powerful in the game. There was always going to be something, which I get that that could be the argument for. Well, that's why the game was great because there was always a challenge. It was like, yeah, but th- to me, there was never a level of satisfaction with achieving something. It was always okay. You got this? Nope. It, right. It's, it's instantly not good. You've got to get this, and then partying people was always interesting because you know even when you told people that you're brand new to the community you got because of this expansion you would think that that would harbinger to people that hey we might need to coddle this guy so he stays on and you know helps the community nope survival it was oh man people were but that's the thing is like i was playing like a blood elf mage it wasn't like i picked a terrible class and a terrible race i thought i picked a great combo for it yeah yeah, it, it was it was like again i don't regret it i was like but after a month i was like nope not not doing it and so I, when I hung it up i never looked back on it and i remember when i hit that max level and this is the reason i left both times was i got sick of like 15 year olds over a voice chat yelling at me i was doing something wrong after i had a hard day's work under my belt like yeah i, I actually looked at myself in the mirror and went like i don't need to do that like this isn't fun this is nope. Just, yeah. Well, yeah, and that was the constant thing of, like, well, why haven't you gone and quested for this? She was like, because I'm with you idiots right yeah. now. That's because I'm choosing to do this right now. Like, which is, again, I guess it, it could be another episode altogether of my abhorrence to 90% of all online multiplayer right now in terms of consoles. It it is the way the way the world and the world of gaming has gone. But then when it goes well, it goes so perfectly well. That is true. That is like, true. Yeah. Rocket League all the way for me on that. Left 4 Dead 2. They're probably some of my very favorite. Good. Yes, probably some of my favorite. Like I didn't have to wor- like if people were yelling it's because you were fucking them over and Yeah. You, you people or, didn't or have you, a, people didn't have a chip on your shoulder when you were being crazy because hey, you know what? It's a zombie game where I'm killing the undead with a frying pan. It is a pretty crazy scenario yes. on its own. All right, so are we done being curmudgeon old yes. men, Tyler? Yes. All right. Well, moving along. Let's talk about a real curmudgeonly old man. Okay. Let's talk about Bill Murray. Oh, God. It was... <laughs> be Elder different. God of the hipsters. There, there'll be different levels of rage on this, but uh, or maybe not rage. I don't know how I felt about this. Uh, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, yep. I love how the headlines are all saying Bill Murray agrees, which I know why, but not many people toiting Dan Aykroyd out in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both agreed to be in the new Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, some some rumors even saying that he's gone as far as to be already be on set and had some things shot. So there's no like copping out now, I guess. Can we can we rewind a bit and talk about why this Ghostbusters is even existing? Because America is a giant misogynistic pig rolling around and it's like archaic shit essentially. Like it was basically because. They stupidly announced we're going to do a female Ghostbusters, and people are like, well, that's stupid. We want the old cat because they're women, not even thinking of giving it a chance. And so, hey, we could, what's better than one Ghostbusters movie making money, two Ghostbusters movies I, making money? I can agree with you there. Um, though I, look at, I look at the uh, movie system like that, kind of like a, a baseball score. So Ghostbusters, the original movie Ghostbusters, even in my opinion, even in my mind, one of the greatest movies. I, I love that movie. I Anytime it's on, I can watch it. I can quote it. I, I love that movie. I grew up in an era where I had all the Ghostbusters toys. Mm-hmm. I had the little plastic proton pack. I used to run yep. around the house, like, I think shooting my dog with it and trying to trap him, and he was not having that. I think he broke my ecto trap or, 
Uh, my it's too t- strong. Yeah, he was far too strong for it. Um, I watched the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yep. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, even good to this day, I'd argue. Um, the earlier episodes, some of the later ones get kind of rough. But um, then you get Ghostbusters 2. Not as good a movie. Not terrible. You know, not like, you know, oh, I can't believe this. But just not as good a movie. Different. Weirdly enough, it had an epic. I thought I thought Vigo was just an epic of villain. They yes. didn't do a lot with him though. No, it was much more about that weird, mousy museum curator <sighs> yeah, guy. Yeah, I forget who played him, but I think he did the best with that he could. Yes, I'm not blaming him on that at all. But so Ghostbusters two not as good, and then you get nothing. Because for years and years, Bill Murray has been like, I'm not doing another Ghostbusters. I I think it pretty much came out that, you know, I think for a while it was a little murky, but then it came out that, like, of the four, he was the holdout. Yes. So now we're in a time where, and I, I watched a, a David Letterman clip last night of, I think it was a couple of years back, and he was on Letterman just saying, like, I will never do anything else with Ghostbusters. You know, I think his quote was, it will be a cold day in hell. Or if he did it, they have to kill him in, like, the exact same scene he shows up in. So, right. so there you go there, but okay, so what What changed this? Like, Dan Aykroyd has been probably wanting to do this for a while. Yes. And Dan Aykroyd's lost his damn mind, so I'm not worried about that there. He makes a decent vodka, though. That Crystal Skull vodka? That's yeah. him. Okay. Oh, okay. It's not that's, great. It's okay. That's, my girlfriend has that in her kitchen I have it on the bar. I it's have like, it in mine as well. I was like, I, I remember walking in saying, I know there's alcohol in that. She was like, Yes. <laughs> Indeed. It is it is a skull containing alcohol. Yes. So so here here's where we sit. We have two Ghostbusters in there. Where's Ernie Hudson? Have they just skipped him? He's a Ghostbuster. This could again, let's think of this as you were mentioning before in Hollywood. This could be PR and the fact of they're slowly announcing who is going to be in the movie. He very well might. I, I mean, I would actually be more disappointed if Ernie Hudson. I'd be very disappointed if Ernie Hudson wasn't with these two. On this, I really would because I mean he's a Ghostbuster, he, he's Winston, and then finally you know we can't have our Egon, Egon Egon no, sadly away. is dead. Which do you want me to go ahead and extrapolate on the point that I mentioned before the uh, show? Uh, this might make me angry. It's a suspicion, okay. and I think it's a viable one, okay, and I think ahead. the listeners will agree with me. So, dear listeners, um, do you think it is unreasonable to think that with this next Ghostbusters movie, there will not be some type of ghost cameo of Egon? Because, indeed, Mr. Reitman did pass away about two years ago, and they will acknowledge it in the movie that he died... That would make me. That would upset me a little. It bit. It would too, but I think it's going to happen. Not not acknowledging that that he died. I mean, that's perfectly reasonable. Real life sometimes affects art in that way, but don't make a ghost of him or something. You want to know one of the reasons I think that might happen? Why? Because you know Slimer. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd is pretty much gone. Burke is saying, "Oh no, that is supposed to be the ghost of John Belushi." Oh, okay. So they've done it before with their dead friends. So I should thank John Belushi for enjoying Ecto Cooler all those years? Yes. Wow. That technically Slimer is John Belushi. That is Thanks, That John. is canon from Dan Aykroyd's mouth. Fair so, enough. So there you go. Well, this I'm not... I'm not one of these naysayers who's like, oh, this Ghostbusters movie is going to be terrible. As I said, I rate it like baseball. I've got one good movie and one eh movie. Yeah. So to me, the score is one and one. I so either either it's going to be good, 
or it's, or it's just going to be a cheap cash in. I mean, I think it, I mean it's definitely cash in the fact that you know this is spurred popularity enough for them to obviously make a movie. But I do think that with it being thirty years after the original, that you do have the opportunity to play with some storylines very uniquely. I agree, um, especially with the way technology is to really do some awesome things with special effects. So yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it. Um, I, I am too. I really am. I, I'm cautiously optimistic because when I was young, and I, I think our teacher said, hey, write down the three things you want to be when you grow up. Like, you get to list them. I had Dinosaur, Ghostbuster, and Green Lantern. I've not achieved lofty, any of those. Lofty life goals, but never go up your dream. I've not achieved any of those, but I'm still working every day, too. Listen to Shia LaBeouf, Garrett. Oh, do Weird. it. I need to be like Shy. Do it. I need to take people's things and make them my own. And wear bags on your head. I am prepared to steal your copyright material. Thanks, Illidan. <laughs> Yesterday you said tomorrow, so just do it. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to miss these looks. Yes. That being said, dear listener, I think we uh, the, cur- the curmudgeony old wander <laughs> adventurer man show has kind of reached its point. But before we go... Before we go, I was going to do this no matter what, but before we go, Tyler, we've hinted at it many times. It's not a hidden secret. You're leaving us for a time. Yes, Sam. I'm going on a uh, a quest sabbatical, if you will. True wandering adventure, if you will. Yes. Yes. So, and that's one reason why we've. I think we've had you on a bit more. I, I just I want to get you recorded in case I just don't hear from you in a need long a, need time. Need an orgy to hold you over for a little bit. <laughs> that's a horrible image. No, that's a fulfilling one. <laughs> I was not prepared. <laughs> Till your cup runneth over. Oh, uh, now you've thrown me off track. I, I and I'm sure I'll see you again. You'll be back. Oh, sure. Sooner or later. But um, I wish you good luck. I appreciate it. I wish it. you a a great journey. Uh, is there any specific place you and your brother are going to go that you just I that, mean, that you can't wait to see? If I had to give kind of like of a rough backbone in terms of trends of stops, I'm definitely going to indulge on my love of crap breweries, so I'm going to be looking forward to hitting up a bunch of uh, crap breweries across the United States that I have not. I'm going to be going as far out as California, which if you are a purveyor of fine, delicious beers, you know is pr- pretty much like the candy land of craft beer. It's oh, yeah. If any and everywhere. Um, definitely want to hit up some national parks. Um, again, not to get too pretentious about it, but it is really going to come down to trying to exercise societal clutter in my head and listening to the quiet of my bike the wind and looking at nature in between all that hollywood can make a movie out of you right now yeah and then of course if anyone knows my brother um me and him together it's going to be very interesting he is a man who's never met a stranger so we are looking forward to meeting the crazies on america like that will be a wild bunch combination there this is going to be like this american life from npr but on bikes <laughs> is what we're shooting for. So, <laughs> I'm expecting with your brother along. I'm expecting at least one fist fight. Probably. I, I want to see how that goes. Handled. Probably. Uh, well, that being said, dear listener, if you would like to uh, find out where Tyler's going, maybe you could meet him somewhere. May- maybe this is your chance to take Tyler out. Yeah, I, I'm happy to to meet the fans. That always. Or if they good... want to feed me, <laughs> give me a place to sleep. What if they want to keep you? Well, at least for the night, until <laughs> the sun comes up. <laughs> Well, shoot us an email or tell us other things we've talked about. Are you mad about our wow opinions? Well, awesome. I'm really upset this bottle had nothing 
constructive to say. You really that. did keep it right where it was the whole time. He said nothing. No. He's just an angry gorilla in a spacesuit. Uh, why don't you try emailing us, though, at podcast at wanderingadventures.com. Uh, we'll be glad to let you know Tyler's exact coordinates. Cause That's we'll, podcast at wanderingadventures.com. That's how you GPS track Tyler himself. Or ask this bottle here a question. I'm sure he's got, he, well, he doesn't have a lot to say. But uh, podcast at wanderingadventures.com. And uh, Tyler, I, I, I just can't say it too much. Thank you. It's always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me, and thank you to listeners for continuing your support and listening to us. Uh, I look forward to the next time getting behind the mic and biting air with you. Uh, until then, you can always, if you get homesick, you can always listen to our voices complain about, I don't know, probably something about superheroes down the line. That's what I complain about most of the time. Soak my pillow with my tears. <laughs> Well, we wish you a safe trip, Tyler. Chase, we're glad you're safe, but please be less cryptic in your text messages. And uh, Sam, I told you so. Dear listener, bye-bye. <laughs>